0: all right well welcome back to the blue guys this is mike here hello, brian hello Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, at Netspod at gmail almighty media and netsdaily.com. Brian, like the Nets are back.
1: You did it too soon. I wanted to play out the, the intro all the way. You gotta get, you know, you gotta get your reps in because it's days are numbered. Ooh, very nice. You know? Um Why you, are the days? Numbered? There's only just one guy that's actually hit me up. So so far so good. I mean, basically I just did this to prove to people that like, hey, there's no other alternatives. Like this is this is the this is the jam get on board or get the heck off. Um, you know what I mean? I just, I just wanted (laughs) to, you laid down a
0: contest to basically prove
1: that that's the winner. Yeah. That's the winner. that's been, it was, that's the big, um, scheme I've cooked up. (laughs) So maybe it'll be a drop competition. Um, but your boy, uh, I forget your name now on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll double bag and hit you and shoot you out. Um, says he's working on something so so far we just got one response and then a bunch of people on email been like dude don't get rid of the the intro intro is good so they came to the defense of the intro and this is what i don't want to bore everybody with this but this is the ongoing battle of having the podcast it can't please all the people all the time you know but that's what we try to do here try to
0: i mean i give everyone the opportunity so what is the competition if we could refresh make us an intro
1: if if uh we'll, we'll like you know play them on the show or whatever Tweet it out. Everyone will select the winner. Absolutely, and then you get a some swag from Flatbush and Atlantic. Plus, like you're gonna have a dope fire beat on the most popular Nets podcast
0: in the universe side of the Mississippi. Um, and also, do you have a picture of your wife in a mugshot? Yeah, I your... don't know. She she does that. She messes me with me. She puts a passport picture.
1: I think that's adorable. I do need to get a passport. That's why she's she's um...
0: that's her. reminder. She's trying to trigger a, me. Yeah. A subtle she, reminder. Yeah. Um, so. I don't think we should talk much about the Nets Knicks game, right? I just feel. The Nets
1: are we did it.
0: Someone did tweet Dude. that at us as should being our intro. Dude, this
1: song. I got. Five. That's a good. That's that's not a bad idea. Um, but that was a bad
0: game, and I don't want to talk about it, you know? Uh, it, I, I'm going to go the easy route and say it's a bad matchup. I'll just say bad matchup. I don't want to even think about, I don't want to give the Knicks too much credit in that win. They're just going to give it all to Porzingis and be like, hey, he's a well, well, I will say uh,
1: dynamic big man, and we've always had problems with dynamic big men. Is that what you're going to chalk it up to? Yeah, sort
0: of like generational talents. Mm. The Nets have a problem yes. with generational talents. Um, it may be an issue if Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who we're saying is six seven, 6'7", yeah. um, is guarding for vast periods of the game Chris Depp's Porzingis. That may be an issue. Um, How would you change that? There's nothing, no one on this team that can possibly match up to him. And then you have Trey Burke, uh, a uh, rejuvenated, reimagined Trey Burke coming out of the darkness of the G League and scoring buckets on us. Next up, (laughs) cheer boy, Chris.
1: had to get that one out it's been a while i just wanted to do this because um i feel like this is relevant to, we've been skyping so much we've been skyping so much and i haven't been able to work the, the drop pad um chris thank you for hitting us up netspod at gmail.com love you guys um hey guys as the trade deadline approaches next month what would you say is the net's biggest need and what would you be willing to give up on the roster to fill <clears throat> sorry that need um so I think we exposed a pretty big need there in our inability to, to defend these these big men. What, what are you doing?
0: Nothing. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm trying on? to connect to Brian's internet without him knowing. Is it um, messing up? Yeah, the biggest need the, is... The internet's been a disaster lately. I don't know worry about it. Ever since net neutrality, it's been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see there's some... Like, I think the FCC put out some like jokey video about... you Because know, the FCC... The, had, oh, yeah. yeah, had, yeah I saw that. And they put out some that, like, you could still watch puppy videos. Yeah. And it's like, like, dude, I got a business to run, dog. What are you talking about? A who, puppy video? Who are you trying to? What? Okay, so who are they trying to make happy? The only people who actually care about net neutrality are the people who watch puppy videos yeah. on extreme levels, right? Which is internet culture, diving deep. I have a puppy video any business. Then, and it's going to be taken. a hit. That would actually be a good business. <laughs> um, Net's biggest need coming up. Um, it, it's kind of obvious. It's still the stretch four. What do you give up, though, for the stretch four? Um and who's the stretch for? Do you have in mind? So that's sort of the problem. It's like, okay, so teams that are mentioned as being wanting to make trades are New Orleans and Detroit. Uh, the Magic want to get rid of a few players, but Aaron Gordon's not on that list of guys they want to get rid of. I think they put up Evan Fournier and a couple of other guys. Um, Her- Herzogna, which I don't really know. I mean, that seems like a very Nets trade to make is to get mm. Mario Hazonia. Um, but... Stanley Johnson's, like, the most obvious name out there for being a semi-stretch four that could work for this team, but they don't need Stanley Johnson. Like, so what is Stanley Johnson? Best case scenario, he's a bigger Rondé Hollis Jefferson in terms of just mass. Right. Mm-hmm. They need with the guy that they signed to the G League. Did you see this? The two way contract. I, I think did it's
1: James Webb, the third. I have a note somewhere to go look at his video and I haven't done it. So I don't
0: even need to look at his video. I looked at his stat line. I have no <laughs> clue who this guy is, but he's six, nine has been shooting something like 37 percent from three, 12 points a game, seven rebounds. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Athletic six, nine guy who can shoot threes that's the thing that they need on this team that will change if they had a three-point shooter at the four who could actually play the four it would
1: just alter this whole team to a yeah. whole other level what's like marvin williams reputation
0: right now on defense does he have a terrible reputation so he's interesting charlotte's gonna be a team that's gonna do stuff because mm-hmm. they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money and they stink um so they could be potentially someone that just like swoops in and you could steal one of those weird kind of role players that they have. I mean, someone proposed to us a Nicholas Batum trade, which would be totally crazy. But um, um, oh, I would love that. <clears throat> I've always liked Batum, and he's a very he's also sort of a Nets player. I mean, he's like Otto Porter in the way they've talked about. By the way, did you see the Sean Marks interview um, on WFAN? Some of the things that I, he read, said out I read some of the transcribed portions. So, obviously, there's stuff in there. He spoke to WFN, I think, before the Knicks game Mm -hmm. or another game before that. Talked about D'Angelo. D'Angelo's coming back sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. I think the most telling thing within that, though, is that he said that he was asked about what they may do in free agency, what they're trying to do to acquire players. And he says it will be, again, adding the right strategic pieces in free agency at the right time. I think you saw this summer we went after one guy. It wasn't, hey, if we don't get auto Porter, we're going after 50 different players and we're going to spend the money elsewhere. Um, to be honest, it's, it's a pretty illuminating quote from Sean Marks. The fact that um, most teams actually operate. So remember when the Magic had that whiteboard incident mm-hmm. where there's a picture of their their free agency right. war room right. where it <clears throat> said, here's all the stretch fours that we want or the whatever types. And they listed eight names. That's how most teams operate. Most teams I think operate was like, here's our A target, here's our B C targets and then here's like the lower level guys that could fill that role. Yeah. I like the Nets are maybe just focusing like we want this guy. If we don't get this guy, then we're just not going to we're not going to blow our load on, you know, something else. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. Next yeah. up, cheer boy. Thomas
1: Marassa. <laughs> um, did cheer you read, did you read Thomas's email? uh fantastic I'll, I'll i'll read it right now um here's two unnecessary uh trade ideas in both scenarios nets receive first and second round picks from someone i'll leave that up to you decide from who i expect trade ideas in return Also, <laughs> uh, class somebody also got triggered by that um some, what's that william um shout out to william on twitter um he was like oh my god i hate the idea that you have to respond to a a trade suggestion with a trade suggestion which is just like i get it dude if you don't have the imagination to cook up a trade (laughs) suggestion i get i get why that's you know triggering um anyways uh also have you seen spencer dinwiddie and ronde in those awesome Flatbush atlantic t-shirts so cool heard they dropped some new gear anyway long time listener first time emailer big fan of the pod i'll hang up and listen sure Um, thomas so
0: thomas is obviously a plant from Flatbush atlantic yeah he's that's that's a burner account for sure um Okay, so what do... It's not even... Okay. <laughs> this I, is a wild... <laughs> I don't think it's even worth... Uh, so, Thomas, I okay, first I'll just say straight off, I love the idea. If, if, for those of you, obviously, who cannot see what he's offering, he offered up uh, two four-team trades uh, yeah. involving the Nets that it would be impossible for us to sort of articulate Just, just give exactly. me what the Nets get in both of those trades. So, essentially, uh, the Nets get, like, John Lohr in both of the trades. They'd be getting... Well, here's the thing. The main thing to know is that in both trades, the Nets are somehow getting rid of Timofey Mozgov contract. And one of those deals that Tom's cooked up, which I love and I appreciate the creativity, um, the Lakers would be receiving Timofey Mozgov back, which I don't think is exactly what uh, the team is going to do. In one trade, it would be John Lohr, Ajinka, Tolliver, and Stanley Johnson, and then maybe a first or second round pick. I mean, that's what we're saying here. And then the other trade would be Vucevic, John Lohr, Randall, Hazonia, and Stanley Johnson. Um, and the Nets are basically only sending out Damari Carroll and Mozgoff in all these trades. Tight, tight. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I would love that for that tight to happen. Tight trades, tight trades. Send us your fake trades. We love them. Actually, tweet us. I think the best form for fake trades is to tweet the screenshot of your trade, and we can do immediate sort of poll and interest on online at PK. And Lugos. that way
1: you can really source the butthurt from everybody that comes out of the woodwork to yes. talk s about your trade. Yes. Next up, Cheer Boy. That's
0: Julio Liverpool.
1: That's a great name, Julio Liverpool. Heck of a name. Um, I almost don't believe it. Hey, guys. And he puts in a parenthetical soothing. Hello. Um, we're seeing recent reports about selling high on Dinwiddie and Harris. While I can't disagree on shopping Harris, I believe Dinwiddie's value has surpassed his contract so greatly that it should be in the best interest of the Nets to keep him in the backcourt and attack... Sorry, backcourt attack of D'Lo and Levert. Um, so, good franchise to follow and do a complete opposite of would be Phoenix Suns when they had a crowded backcourt. Do you guys think a trio of D'Lo, Levert, Dinwiddie could be a healthy diet for this roster long-term? I like that comp. The Phoenix Suns disaster where they traded away all their best players for,
0: for not much. And they kept the worst one. And though, they kept the Brennan Knight, um, Knight Whatever his name is.
1: So, interesting comparison. I like it. And we've talked about this quite a bit, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it is, the, it is the existential crisis that this franchise is facing. We have a very valuable piece suddenly, and he's on a very cheap contract, and it goes into the, the big question of when do we want to be good? When do we want to be good? If it's, in, if it's next year, yes, you keep him.
0: If it's four years from now, it's going to be hard to justify keeping him. So that's That's the best framing of the Dinwiddie argument I think I've heard. You're welcome, everybody. That's what Um, you get. Because that's the truth. Because if it is, if if there's, I mean, Mark said in that interview, people still need to be patient with this team. There's still a lot of development that needs to happen. If that's the case, we're going to run into, we cataloged this last episode. I'm going to write a piece for NetsDaily.com. It's going to illustrate it even clearer. Mm. Dinwiddie is heading in the territory of at least $15 million a year on that contract. That is what he will be getting if he's somewhat stable. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, you'd pay him. D'Angelo is going to be getting paid soon. I don't know where he's going to be. I mean, injuries and sort of things, we don't really know. But you could assume maybe also $15 million a year, maybe more, probably more. Uh, and then you have Levert. One of those three guys are going to be traded. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to make that prediction. It's going to happen. One of those three guys are going to be traded. I think Dinwiddie is the likeliest case just because he's the easiest to trade, and he's not technically. While he was signed by Marks, he's not a you know what I'm saying Marks guy. He wasn't drafted by him or traded specifically for him. He was picked up, developed with this team, but he's also like not a major investment that this team made. And I think that plays partly into it.
1: Who was that little, uh, I'm not even going to call him a troll. He was like sub-troll. He was a garden gnome, this guy that came out of the woodwork and was like, uh, didn't you know he's not worth the first rounder? Like, la, la, la. I, uh, like, dude, I think guy, he was a Lakers fan. That guy has to be Which has been interesting. dining
0: on a on a buffet of crew right now. I mean, so there's a report, and we'll do this in News Around the League. There's a report about how the Cavs players, very strange, and I'll, we'll dig into it later, mm. that uh, senior Cavs players, um, are expressing the fact that this team needs to make a trade, okay? The, the Cavaliers, and I don't think that the Nets are going to be able to get back their first round pick for Dinwiddie. <laughs> yeah. No matter how much I would freaking love that, yeah. uh, because if they did, don't you think an immediate tank makes sense? Like, can't, yeah. can't the, this team The, just the go...
1: semiotics of that just don't match up. It's too.
0: But they can pretty easily get. I think the Cavs own first round pick, and that would solve a lot of issues. But um, Din Dinwiddie, I don't want to quite make Dinwiddie trades yet. I'm yeah. not quite ready. But um, I think he's not going to be on this team past this current contract.
1: Okay. Hot takes. Hot takes. Next up. Cheer boy. Mario Allison. Mario Allison's been burning up the email account, guys. Who, a couple of people I haven't heard from in a while. Um, looking at you, Luis and Lou Lu and all these all these guys who've been around. NYR hasn't yeah. emailed
0: us. So he did the Twitter we're, moments. M- we're missing you
1: guys. Um, <clears throat> anyways, Mario, thanks for hitting us up. You've. You're, you're vying for Mount <clears throat> Rushmore candidacy here. Definitely in 2018. Yeah. Pretty strong. Um, hey, guys. When is the right time for Jared Allen to make his way into the starting lineup? Um, thank you for your email, Mario. Um, gosh, do you think
0: it'll happen this season, Mike? I'm not sure. Pretty immediate. I, I think it should happen, right? Yeah. He's been the best. He's so confident now. I mean, yeah. it's in it, not insane. I mean, this is a natural growth. Yeah. But... He makes sense as center. hes I mean, I love Zeller. I'm, he's one I'm, Zeller
1: turned ankle away from getting that job. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so he's been good. Um, Zeller's been fine. But I, I think Jared Allen pretty soon is going to get out there because I also think what's going to happen is there's going to be a shift. Like Zeller is the peg one. Allen's peg two. Okafor is peg three. They're going to move Allen and Okafor up in terms of minutes, and Zeller's just going to get shot down after the trade deadline. If they can't move Zeller before the trade deadline – I think that's their goal right now is that they're playing Zeller, starting him for the hope that they can throw him into some little deal to get maybe, you know, a little bit more consideration for him, a little value. After the trade deadline, you're going to see Jared Allen start a lot more and Jaleel Okafor play a lot more. And Zeller, if he's on this team, will not be playing basketball anymore.
1: Hang on. I'm trying to whip up this uh, Kyron Darcy. Um,. Message that he just left for me, but I'm failing. Oh, God. I'm just going to go to the next email. and You, you keep talking, Mike.
0: Um, but seriously, so because like I know we believe the Nets are sort of this um, perfect uh, democracy of basketball that if you're good, you're going to play. doesn't matter your contract. Doesn't matter what role you did. We look at Alan Crabb. I mean, Alan Crabb's minutes. I don't know if they're being restricted, but Joe Harris is getting a lot more minutes. And I think we all believed because Joe Harris is playing better basketball. Um What will happen, though, there's some consideration for trade value. Zeller is playing now, I think, specifically because they like how he looks at the start of games against starting centers and because they hope to send him out, send him in a trade out to someone else. If you combine him and Joe Harris, that is a first-round pick value. Those two together on a cheap contract. Zeller's a backup big. Joe Harris is a backup shooter that can play at the end of games for you. Those are two guys that can flip out. Uh for a first round pick. That's what I'm saying. Heck of a response, Mike. Um next up cheer boy,
1: Kyron Darcy. Another regular. Um Kyron, always a pleasure. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna be honest here, I haven't listened to this. So if he's if this is just full of like who knows what kind of atrocities we're we're in for a ride. So um hopefully not. Here's Kyron.
0: Hey Glue Guys, this is your boy Kyron Darcy. Um I want to talk a little on Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, he's having a breakout season. You, know, you see a lot of articles and uh, you know things being written on how uh, good of a season Spencer Dinwiddie is having. Um, but at the end of the day, he's still averaging. He's only averaging 13 points, 6 assists, while shooting 39% from the field and 34% from 3. What do you think is Spencer Dinwiddie's ceiling, right? Hmm. Personally, I feel as though he's a good role player. He's a steady backup point guard, a, a guy that doesn't make much mistakes and plays basketball the right way. And I and I know how valuable those types of players are. But where do you see Spencer Dinwiddie within the Nets uh, organization going forward, especially seeing as how he's going to have to be paid uh, pretty soon?
1: Oh, Kyron, excellent. Uh, were you motioning at me to talk more? Is that yeah, what you want? No, do
0: no, you talk first? Oh, me talk first. So I was trying to motion. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not you know a, a member of the Marines. So but I was trying. I, was pointing. I don't. I don't work in the biz, so I don't know. I was those... doing a duck bill. <laughs> then I, was, I was trying to do a one, but I think I just meant pointing to the sky as in praising. You know what? Lord. I think
1: it's hard to judge Spencer's ceiling here. So, I mean, he's he's so defied expectations, and he's had you know. Um, kind of kind of a late breakout right for for people that played his position sort of 24 25 is a little bit old to be sort of revealing yourself as a playmaker um to this level to this level i should say i should stipulate i think that he's going to be a really 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 good backup point guard for a very good team i i i and i also think that there's the potential for him to be like the third best player, fourth best player on a pretty good team in the starting position. So I don't know what that means statistically. You know, I think he's, he's, he's a great uh, playmaker and, and a, and a pretty good scorer, And he's now getting this like killer instinct, this give me the ball, give me the effing ball vibe, which is, which is great, which is what you want. Um, Top two most
0: fun developments this
1: year right and and that suggests like a lot of room for growth uh that being said those percentages are like not super great you know and so any kind of justification for him getting those touches will have to be funneled through that that efficiency and and there's not a there's not a great argument for that for like a really competitive team so i think this is a really good situation for him right now but i'm not like I, I and and he's he's proven people wrong time and time again. So if I'm if I'm like if he's a twenty and ten guy next year, like that also probably won't surprise me that much. Um, because he's he's grown so much over the years. Uh but I would say that's probably like just in terms of role, that's where I sort of see his role. Very, very good sixth man, maybe even like sixth man of the year type guy, or like third best for fourth best player on a very good team in the
0: starting lineup. Right. And I think, like, if you looked at NBA standings, looked at every point guard on NBA rosters, like, so the Nuggets are brought up as a team. Kevin Pelton wrote a piece for NBA.com that you can actually see a link to some of his thoughts on netsdaily.com about the Nets should sell high if they're going to sell high on Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. The fact that, like, if you're going to do this, you should sell high on Spencer Dinwiddie because you may be able to get a first round pick between 15 and 20. The Nuggets are a perfect example because. They are lacking completely in a point guard. Jamal Murray's been better, but they're lacking in having a point guard. Um, you kind of just like look around the NBA, and if you compare Spencer to the starting point guards on certain rosters, I think you take Spencer Dinwiddie over most of them. Here's the thing about his shooting percentages, too, which I think is negatively impacting him. So positive impact. Good stats, bad team, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we love the Nets. That's our team. Uh, we love the way they play basketball. Somebody was questioning your... your uh... I love that you defend. You jumped in and defended. It's me.
1: true too. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't lie to the people. Mike does. He has
0: more of a hate love relationship with the Wizards. Yes, you know. Then I grew up a Wizards fan. Yeah. Even during you know Gilbert Arenas, Michael Jordan. You know, weird years. Totally mm-hmm. weird years. Um, but I want the Nets to win all those games because I want yeah. this. I want this team to be good. But. Um, with with so Spencer's stats is like slightly inflated because he's playing a lot of minutes for a team, and you're gonna get he's the main focal point his shooting stats, I think are worse than they should be because when has he ever had an open look shot right? I don't think he ever basically ever gets a shot where like someone's making a move and passing him the ball to then shoot an open three that almost never happens, yeah, his open threes are like five feet behind the line, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's and so like you could look up statistically and say. How many open catch-and-shoot open threes does he have? All of those would be 35-footers, basically. Um, So I think his shooting stats are a little lower than they should be. Um, But obviously, his scoring stats and assist stats. I'm with you. I think it's... He is a starting point guard. I'm convinced of that. He would only be a backup point guard on a team that, like, is the Houston Rockets, who have Chris Paul and James Harden, and then he kind of comes in and runs the second unit. Or Mm -hmm. if he was on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, He'd be the starting point guard, I would think, even Mm -hmm. even next to Isaiah Thomas. Like he fits actually really nice with Isaiah Thomas. Um, His ceiling is, I think, I think 18 and seven. Right. Mm -hmm. It's basically what he is this year. I don't know. You know, it's tough to average more than seven assists a game. And I don't think he's going to be a phenomenal scorer over his career if he's 18 and seven. That's a pretty awesome player for a guy who's also six six,
1: so in his last fifteen he's fifteen and six, so yeah, it's like a modest improvement
0: you know or let's it, see let's go and, even further last thirty, and then even like his periphery stats, not even periphery, but like assisted turnover is incredible um his real plus minus is top is he's like fourteenth in the n b a in real plus minus um there's just like. <clears throat> You're gonna. I think what the great thing about Spencer Dinwiddie is, in terms of his trade value or free agent value, is you could have. There's sort of two schools of thought in terms of NBA scouting. There's analytics, and then there's sort of like the traditional. What I see, what I believe from my eyes, right? He's a six-six point guard who can make big shots and also shoot threes. That's like traditional NBA scout. I can totally see him fitting on the floor. He's also statistically, analytically, very attractive. Mm-hmm. Good three-point shooter. Good assist to turnover good defensively his his more kind of out there real plus minus stats are all great he's gonna have so much appeal around the league um and again if Marks wants to make a big old swing brian Mm -hmm. the big swing is to trade spencer dinwiddie for something interesting next up
1: cheer boy nate up 08 nate up 08 holla um What's up, Nate? Hey, guys. Love your work. Long-time listener. Love you for hitting us up. Thanks, man. Thanks, dog. Um, having watched the Nets this season with much interest predominantly for players like Lavert, Okafor, and RHJ and their development under Kenny, I'm worried about Alan Crabb. Mm. Even when you see... Karis or RHJ make a mistake generally it's trying to make the right and smart basketball play with the ball in, in his hands when Crabb isn't catching and shooting the ball he looks out of his depth he is unable to fundamentally shoot off the dribble from any distance he usually flies to the air without making uh, the air making the shot extremely difficult um, okay anyways go on um, so your point is well taken Nate uh, we've talked a little bit about Alan Crabbe's um issues yes. on the show I I think we've agreed with most of what you've said um do you see a way out of this thing mike what's what's
0: i mean you know it's easy enough to say hey like let's point out the bad what do we do about it huh? what do we do about it gosh right well so i think he is playing better defense like before this he definitely did will it into existence, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was a smart uh, PR move, I would say. It's, again, sort of what Kevin Durant yeah. is doing with his defensive player of the year thing. Like, yeah. just say the thing, and people yeah. are going to start talking about it. Yeah. It's funny how that works, you know? Yeah. Um, the problem with him, is so limited. Like, you would think that a guy who is a good shooter should be able to find other shots on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. He really doesn't. He's only hunting for three-point shots for the most of the time. I don't see anything else that he's trying to do.
1: Yeah. I saw him... I was watching him pretty closely in the Knicks game for some reason, like in the garbage minutes that he was playing at the end, and he was getting kind of competitive at that... Well, I was watching because he was getting competitive, and he was finally doing some some funny... uh, Because he had poor Zing is guarding him at one point where he was like switching off. Um, and he just did a hilarious V cut where he just like basically pushed him up under his armpit so that he was off balance and then ran <laughs> away. I was like, that's what I want to see from him. I need some of those Reggie Miller cuts, you know, that's, that's the, that's the future of Alan Crab That's going to work on offense. If you just get like really, antagonistic and like you know you got to make that v cut and it's got to work and you can't keep getting beat on that so so yeah like push a guy in his chest and to get
0: free like people don't really call that that often so so do it you know and i think so he's second option whenever he's on the floor right now right mm-hmm. he maybe he's just destined to be the third option and when d'angelo comes back and if d'angelo and dinwiddie are going to play together that's one and two maybe moving you know less pressure off of him Getting that third option guy The best wing defender isn't going to be on him Anymore That Maybe that'll open up a little bit more I'm hoping that yeah. You know it stinks he's making $19 million a year We're saying he's a third option on the floor But that's just what it is It's like that's the circumstance this team is in Maybe when D'Angelo and Dinwiddie are back It'll move Crab A little less pressure and he can get more open shots That's the hope If that doesn't work Then um, they should fire Marks and Atkinson Right? Yes, fire okay. everybody.
1: And last but definitely not least, cheer boy, Robert Robbie Rose. Rose. Robbie Rose is like the George Washington on this Mount Rushmore. dog. he sent me the nicest email about uh, just like you know State of the Union with the show. He's just you know he's always just keeps he keeps me in the loop with his life. And this is I don't really I, don't, I feel bad because I can never like really write him back, but I try to make time from on the podcast because he's he's I, I feel like he's a pen pal at this point. Um, So shout out to Robbie Rose. Um, As much as everyone trashes AC, his aggressiveness is fun to watch, unnecessarily shaking away Lee's hand (coughs) um, when he offered to help him up. Two monster rejections slapped against the glass versus Washington when he was fouled hard a few games ago and then stood up, yelled, and shoved the player away. And just his overall intensity is nice to see, if nothing else. Funny thing is, if he had a mustache with his beard (laughs) and more Nikes instead of Under Armour, people might subconsciously give him more credit. Um, nothing against his look or that brand, but it might make a difference. Half the team is frustrating to watch. Not just him. Something about these losses to the Knicks is, uh, is worse than others. Um, okay. So basically, uh, I'm not gonna read the rest, but thank you, Robbie. Um, love you forever. So, um, he brings up the point that it's not just Quincy AC. Quincy AC is at least bringing some kind of intensity, um, so give me the the intensity spectrum that Quincy Ac falls on for you. Okay, so on the on the chaotic mm. negative, and there's like it's maybe like a matrix. Really, is what it is. Chaotic yes. negative is like Reggie Evans, right? Yes,
0: uh, <laughs> <It> will for, <laughs> forever be your example for like useless hard work, right? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> That'll that's exactly
1: be... it. It's digging it, ditches. That's yeah. what that is. <laughs> Dig- filling up holes. Um, and then what's the what's the like the best example of someone that that like Woody's like- kind of like
0: calm, but Productive is that what we're looking well,
1: for? Well, like Rondé Hollis Jefferson's, but he's not like really intense. I would say like honestly, prime not a, not Nets version of Gerald Wallace, but prime Gerald Wallace. Oh, okay, is, is sort of like try hard, try hard, and actually also, it matters and do does. Stuff. Okay. Or like I don't know,
0: Dennis Rodman or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, let's, yeah. So where <laughs> does Quincy Acey along the line? <laughs> to be honest, I find him to be like. I don't find him to be all that aggressive or expressive on the court, right? He does have sort of a, a, um, not a sullen look, but sort of a calm demeanor. Um, What was the one that I really loved that he
1: he got fouled super hard and got up and blasted? It was, um, what's his face on the Celtics? Daniel Tice. Um, he got like blasted by Daniel Tice, or whatever, and it was a hard like hip foul, um, and he got like decked, and he stood up and just goes and like <laughs> just give him like a body bump, like a WWF body bump, um, and immediately got like, teed up. But it was like it was just pure frustration. I feel like that's the kind of intensity that he brings. This kind of quiet, this this brooding. <laughs> like I could storm out. Of I could Atlantic. punch you. I could. I want to punch you. I have at least a little bit of restraint. He's incredible
0: like, restraint. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he's like. I think he's closer to Gerald Wallace than he is Reggie Evans. Yeah, I think he's more productive than I probably give him credit for. Yeah, um, in terms of what he, he does before, you know, he's, he's not useless energy. There's no, there's not much useless not. energy. Definitely yeah. not. And he and he has
1: like, look, he's going through a shooting slump. But for a hot second there, he was like a shooting slump. He's going through a, a prolonged <laughs> he, shooting slump,
0: a se- pretty much a season long. But look, yes. he, he had he put
1: together a half a season of shooting like forty five percent. So it's it seems to suggest we can't just look at it, you know, in a vacuum, right? There's there's been times where he was on a shooting tear. So yes,
0: um, I know that everyone doesn't believe that, <laughs> the, that that's a regression. We're to so the kind mean. of like we're free to like completely tread on. Quincy AC I think I
1: don't don't think it's justified I mean ultimately like yeah he's kind of he's bordering on that frustrating uh minutes guy minutes guy and also like these he's his energy leads to more chaotic bad than good sometimes like he's works really hard to get something and then just kind of flubs it at the end of it you know um so it's it's like hard to watch that kind of you know it's just like ah just like get get the ball hold it you know those kind of Mm -hmm. moments um but yeah, your point's taken. I mean, there is a lot more frustration going on. He's just sort of the easy—he's he's this year's you
0: know scapegoat for it. Everyone's—it's got to happen once a year. It's got to happen. And that's again, so kind of go back to their previous thing. That's the spot. If they can upgrade that in a significant way, get even slightly above average play from that position, I think that's going to unlock so much for this team. But yeah, we'll see. Um, well, that's it for that.
1: Uh, thanks to everyone that hit us up—voicemails, um, emails—always send them. Don't hesitate. Thank you. That's dot do, uh,
0: news around the week. After a word from our sponsors. Nicely done, Mike. <coughs> hey, how about those?
1: How about those sponsors? Uh, <laughs> next up is the news.
0: It's the news. All right, go
1: go. Doing wrong, Going live. I'm do it
0: All right, so I'm going to attempt to do something, Brian. Do you have all those cuts that I kind of gave you? Is I there do. a way we can pull those up? Yeah. So. Okay, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably plugged into the NBA. And what happened last night in the NBA on MLK Day uh, was almost unprecedented. The Rockets-Clippers game uh, ended in, you know, there's technicals, people thrown out, and then there was a post-game sort of mission to attack Austin Rivers. It's like Ocean's um, Eleven back there. Yeah, it was wonderful. So. Yeah. Where are the cuts. Give me the cuts. I, we're, we're, I got them all. What do you want to hear? Here, I gotta, I got play them because I gotta have to. I have to do like a, a thing here. <laughs> here we go. We're we're buckling in. Wow, this, right. is, this is gonna we'll be high pull tech. this over. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is we're gonna try to go through the night. We're gonna give you sort of an audio journey through the night that was in LA. Like this is wonderful. Okay, so it started off. This game was Chris Paul's homecoming to the Clippers. You know, so they played a tribute to him. Good vibes everywhere. Everyone was happy and loving life. Um, And then the game began and things started to escalate. We had Blake Griffin stepping in front of Mike D'Antoni, the Houston Rockets coach, invading his area. D'Antoni starts cursing at Blake and CP3 steps in in between. Then we have Blake who, I don't know if you saw this play, he's heading out of bounds, sort of jumps out of bounds. And Eric Gordon's right there along the outside, you know, the, the boundary line. And he throws it, Blake Griffin does, the ball directly at Aaron Gordon's head who was right next uh, to him.
1: Directly at his head is
0: a bit of a... At his upper neck. How about that? But let's hear how Reggie Miller described it.
1: He went high with it. Third no, foul you, on Gordon. You never want to hurt another player. And that's almost to the head area of Eric Gordon.
0: One that, what's rich about that is that Reggie Miller is saying you never want to hurt another player who mm. is famous yeah. for trying to injure people on his shot, doing the leg kick, Putting his foot under guys as they jumped up. I also think please, like Reggie Miller. I also please. think
1: like what? Have you ever been hit in the head with a? It's like yeah, it sucks, but it's not.
0: It's <laughs> oh not the end of the world. Actually, like I was constantly hit in the head by a basketball because <laughs> I didn't know you had to put up Get, your arms catch. on the court. That's unbelievable. Um. So that happened. Okay. So that kind of things are escalating there. Towards the end of the game, this is sort of the real point when things flip from hey, this is uncomfortable to hey, things about to happen here. Mm. Um. Austin Rivers is not playing in the game. He is. In street clothes on the bench, and he's talking crap to Trevor Ariza, who's only a few feet away from the line. And this is what happens: back of his heel. Here's the words: Patrick Beverly (laughs) and Austin Rivers having words over here. And immediately, Blake steps in, and Blake is thrown out of the game. He's talking crap to Trevor Ariza, and this is what Blake actually described it after the game: what happened.
1: He asked me if I was still coming to his birthday party, and I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna try." (laughs) Uh, So we'll see.
0: So that's funny. Mm. This, by the way, that Blake quote came from after the the big incident, which we will get to. I'm just in awe of this production here. I know, is this no, pretty it's good? Not bad. Okay, uh, so Rockets win. Mm-hmm. Just throw that in there. Rockets win. So no, then, no, wait, Clippers win. Oh, did Clippers win <laughs> that game? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> See, that's how little we care about the results <laughs> in the NBA. Right? I, let me get. I totally sure trust you. That that's true. <laughs> yeah, look it up real quick before I f- flagrantly, literally, right after I, I was patting myself on the back for how good yeah. I've been doing. I said, give me, come on, give me a win here. What do you nah, see? Clippers <laughs> win? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So Clippers win. We, yeah. Everyone knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so then this is where things escalate. After the game, James Harden, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, and Trevor Ariza tried to sneak through a secret passageway to confront Blake and Austin Rivers. Here's what Woj said on SportsCenter uh, after the game. Went through a back hallway that connects the Rockets locker room with the Clippers. Got into the room. They were calling for Austin Rivers, Blake Griffin. Uh, security got to them uh, before there was any contact. The Clipper players saw them come in, I was told. They jumped up to their feet, uh, but there was no physical confrontation. Now, there were reports of shoving, apparently. It's a couple, couple little grabs and shoves, uh, the, but that has not been confirmed. Uh, this was an elaborate mission by the Rockets. I think like you called it a secret passageway. Like It's like a, like a bookshelf. <laughs> it's <for> the- <laughs> probably just a hallway, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this was an elaborate mission by the Rockets. Hold with candelabra. Clint Capella used as a diversion. And while that was going on, uh, Rocket Center, Clint Capella was knocking on the front door of the locker room. Uh, he was not let in.
1: I love that they, they, they took a look at the at the players and they're like, Who's gonna be the most useless in this fight? <laughs> Clint. You go knock on the front door.
0: <laughs> Guy from Switzerland, <laughs> yeah, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. Um not to just bang on the Swiss <laughs> yeah. for a second, but Yeah. Neutral. 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 Famously, yeah. neutral. famously neutral. So knocks on the door. Yeah. Opens door, see Clint Capella, closes door. Um, <laughs> I
1: love that, that. How far, how large is this room that they have to like, like, do they ex- were they expecting like half of them to go answer that door? Like, <laughs> let's get fi- like 12 people over here to answer this door, Clint Capella, and then we'll like flank them from the back on <laughs> horseback or something
0: also, there's like not that much time to plan this. There really isn't because like we already know that Blake Griffin went to go do post game interviews just after all this happened. I was imagining
1: Chris Paul laying out like in Home Alone that like blueprint thing, and he's like, well, <laughs> hit him with the paint can here, Clint. You run
0: in because the paint can will lead them into the floor of tax. Yeah, I'll stick my BB gun in through the mail slot. <laughs> um, TNT reporter Ross Gold a Woody. Uh, says there was a feud this is her on uh, the TNT show afterwards says this feud will have a sequel from the Clippers side I just spoke to some players walking away they continue to maintain hey we were in our locker room they we're gonna see this team two more times
1: we will remember this so this feeling this uh tension between the two
0: teams will continue on across games by the way Ross from Queens Mm. representing one of the five boroughs um so there were also reports, and this is like sort of the really fun part at the end of this, there reports that the LAPD were called in to provide extra protection for the Rockets bus just in case things got out of hand. Um, now, I imagine that there are LAPD like stationed at the game already, so they're probably just told, hey, guys, can you come here just to come here? But I think that's – it was overreaction. But so LAPD were called in uh, to monitor the bus, and this is what we get from TNT. This is Shaq and Charles Barkley sort of talking about that. Hello, police. Chris Paul trying to beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> this is hey, this is Blake Griffin. Chris Paul trying to get in the locker room. Get down here and save me, yeah. All right, so Brian, yeah, question, yes, whose side are you on? <laughs> um,
1: <clears throat> I don't know. I, I watched, <laughs> I watched the. I mean, obviously, there is something larger that we aren't able to know about. They're talking about birthday parties and stuff. So this goes goes pretty deep this goes deep um but as far as like the kind of um turbulence on the actual court like Trevor Ariza seemed to be a real pest He's like a real like pesky dude um and doing annoying stuff like constantly
0: um well it's interesting that like I think you would say the team famous each both of these teams are famous for being pesky and having pesky players Mm -hmm. it's like when Pat Beverly was on the Rockets everyone hated him and he was disruptive. Trevor Ariza, like I think he's generally liked around the NBA, but he's not like a a chill dude on the court. No. And then you, the end up these teams end up trading with each other. Chris Paul goes to the Rockets. Beverly goes to no. the Clippers. More pesky is Austin Rivers. Like so, I don't know if you saw the video of him on the sidelines just yelling at yeah. Trevor Ariza. That was a sad, dude. Boy. Stop it, man. That was a sad boy. How how can how can his First dad all, sit there? Something about that
1: suit too was ill fitting. Had him. It looked like he had some feminine hips going on. It, it was... kind of
0: fit with him. His dad basically being the coach, right? Yeah. That like he can do whatever he wants and like <laughs> rich kid kind of comes onto the daddy's team. you are just a baby boy. Yeah, you
1: don't know any better.
0: Um, while if Austin Rivers was on the Nets, I'd probably like him. I, I don't know, like what. What is he thinking at this point? They're going to call him out to fight, and he's got a boot on. Like,
1: come on, the guys. He's, I mean, I'm I'm out. I can't. I have a boot. I gotta, I'm got. i not going to fight you with a boot
0: on. Well, it's the classic sort of like, I'm going to – rich kids starting a fight and then mm-hmm. hiding behind the daddy's lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's happened that to me so many is? times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That'll I feel like it's happened like once in the world. Um, yeah. I'm team rockets. I'm team rockets because – to be honest, the Clippers were the one being the most aggressive. You had the Blake Griffin throwing the ball off Eric Gordon's face. You had Blake Griffin walking in front of Mike, Mike D'Antoni. You had Austin Rivers talking crap when he was not even playing in the game. Um, it's and, one of those for me. Oh, And the intelligence of Chris Ball to go through the secret passageway. Through uh taking out his marauders map mm. and finding the secret way into <laughs> the Clippers locker room. For
1: me, it's a little bit like a like a Bravo um Ooh, squabble. I'm you listening. Know? I'm listening. Um because <clears throat> in those instances it's uh you know, nobody's right, you know, they're all they're all <laughs> kind of like annoying people. So it's yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think they're it's like kind mutual of destruction. Equitable, sort of. yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, is Blake Griffin that much more or less annoying than Trevor Reeser or Chris Paul? They, they kind of cancel each other out in my mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, a, like a Lisa Vanderpump, or no, I should say like a, who's who's a good comparison? We've been, haven't been watching in a long time, actually. I've been bad. Oh, really? I, this Vanderpump season's for me. So Vanderpump good. has been...
0: Um, it'd be like when, what's what's her name? Who's the blonde girl who was Jax's girlfriend earlier? Brittany. Was, or no, no, Stassi. Stassi, when Stassi and Jax were going at it... Yeah. Two yeah. villains, two villains, right? Battling, battling. It'd be like compelling, worth watching. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the Joker and Riddler, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like bad, dumb versions. Did the of Joker and Riddler ever like cross paths? I feel like that's a. I feel like they should have, because basically the same villain. They pretty much are right. That's the... It's just that the Riddler has a better costume. I was listening to
1: Jim Carrey. Um, who's mm. been all over Netflix somehow, my mm. Netflix feed, talk about how when he was shooting that with Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones hated his guts, <laughs> could not stand him. <laughs> and he he was he was working with him all like for months or whatever I hated, it, hated him. And he was a, oh, are you ringing? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he was uh, at a restaurant. Tommy Lee Jones was, and Jim Carrey walked in, and this had been like Tommy Lee Jones' time away from Jim Carrey.
0: <laughs> and
1: he came in, and he sat down, and he was like, he grabbed him by the nape of the neck, and he was like, I hate you <laughs> and, jim, and jim was like why and he's like i can't sanction your buffoonery that's that's, that's the line which i like that's uh, i can't sanction your buffoonery that's how i feel about a lot of people i can't like i I don't want you to be around can you, do you ever have a person in your life that's like a little bit too rowdy at the bar or like they get drunk and like yeah do something that'll maybe get like a cop involved or something and like yeah, my I've, wife I've, is that right <laughs> no I, I was like i can't hang
0: out with you i can't sanction your buffoonery anymore yeah too old for that anyways and then like it's so and then to watch that movie again Tom Lee jones is like the most turnt of yeah. his career ever he, like he went he full went, he went out, way in that out role. of it. yeah out of his comfort zone um which i kind of like that performance you know i kind of <laughs> yeah. appreciate that i, I always kind of love that movie in a weird way it's just like beautiful was that val kilmer or was that yeah it was val kilmer you can nicole kidman um chris wow. what's his face run it back chris o'donnell chris o'donnell just, where did he go we went to NCIS. Is making bank? Is that whatever oh, is that right? one of those yeah. terrible shows?
1: I, I'd say I don't watch that kind of stuff. What, what was the other one? He was a lawyer. One was, it Fatal Attra- no, it was well, a Fatal Attraction. No, well,
0: no, he was in the Pacino movie. Yeah, um, Pacino. It was um, What Son of a Woman. Son of a Woman. That's yeah. what it was. And that's when Pacino turned bad. That's yes. When, that, that was right there. Uh, that's well, the turning so, point. It was like heat, and then like, poof, like. That's the interesting thing about like the Jim Carrey doc. Did you watch? You watch that yet? Right. I watched the one about him um, Andy Kaufman, with Andy Kaufman. Yeah. So that's the turning point in his career when he went from being Ace Ventura, like the king of comedy and like completely bankable star to sort of in a weird area. And maybe people like his performances now, but like he's not King Jim Carrey anymore. Yeah. Um, Son of a Woman was that point in Al Pacino's career. Where he was like, I think you just lose it. I think there's a point when the performance changes who you are and changes your ability to perform at a different level. Don't you feel like, <clears throat> like Jerry, Johnny Depp.
1: Jerry the King Lawler had a very unique perspective into this? And if he was only like five million times more articulate, he could have put a little bit of texture on this whole thing. But because he's so not articulate, <laughs> he was like <laughs> a useless con- conveyor of what these differences were. He's he basically just, like, just said, I don't get this. He's like, I don't get it. And I hate Jim Carrey. I was like, can you, but okay. So like, there's this whole meta thing going on. Can you maybe talk about that? And he's like, I hate Jim Carrey.
0: But I don't know if he was ready to perform like I don't know because that when those like flashbacks were going on. He, I don't know how true they were like this is going to be a documentary. This is going to be documented and we're going to dig into this. And then 30 years from now, we're going to roll it out, and talk about it. But he was like the the only actual through line between character Andy Kaufman to Jim Carrey. Andy Kaufman. What if, if just I just picked picked attacked with this tiny hammer on the on radio? That'd be a hell of a listen. Yeah, that's the, that's where we're going
1: to end this. Um. How should we end this? Do you so, want to get out of this? Or so,
0: is there more to talk about? Uh, there's there's two more news stories, oh. but but we can just go through them quickly. Uh, the one thing I really do want to talk about, so this Cleveland issues story is now out. So the Cleveland Cavaliers played the Golden State Warriors, and ESPN Dave McMenamin wrote an article about how uh, multiple players from the Cavaliers acknowledge a growing discontent and a strong sense of concern that, unlike past seasons, the team does not have the capability to fix its problems and get backed on a championship track. Now, this is the weird thing, okay? Several prominent players speaking on a condition of anonymity to ESPN, Cleveland.com, and The Athletic expressed doubt that the problems in aging roster, defensively, blah, 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 could simply be worked through. They basically are asking for a trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Walk me through here this one, Brian. Mm. Several prominent players get together, grab a couple of reporters, and say, We're not going to tell you, we, we can't identify ourselves, but this is what's happening. Have you ever ever seen this happening in the history of the nba I-, I
1: no i don't i haven't and i also don't know how you would even begin that process like as soon as someone's agent reaches out that's like that's a story unto itself right like be like hey don't tell anyone but like isaiah thomas wants to talk to you about how everything sucks yeah like like all oh, right okay great story like just run with that yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's it um so I don't even know how that begins. I don't doubt the veracity of it necessarily. but No,
0: I mean, it, it, it has to be true because this is less than just like one player talking to one reporter pulling him aside. You would imagine that like so you imagine this would have happened before the Warriors game, which would have been the most highly attended media game of the season. Mm-hmm. You would also imagine that if you're a press person for the Cavaliers, you would have seen LeBron James. You would imagine would be the person that would be talking about this because He's the only one that matters. LeBron, maybe Dwayne Wade and I don't know, Tristan Thompson or something. Um pulling up aside like three reporters and saying we're gonna talk about how this team isn't doing its proper due diligence in trade discussions. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's sort of shocking mm-hmm. and crazy. And I think I know I'm not gonna get too crazy with this, but this is sort of um why I ding LeBron a little bit on like the overall spectrum of his career. Mm. Like he constantly does things like this and he constantly does sort of that one-year deal. I may leave, I may not leave. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to keep moving Mm -hmm. along. Mm -hmm. I think when we look at the entirety of his career, these little things are undermining the overall success of a franchise and they should be accounted for like in the way that we credit Tim Duncan for being Mr. Good Guy Stabilizing Force LeBron should be dinged mm-hmm. for uh, this type of stuff. It may not be LeBron. I
1: imagine it was LeBron. Credit to at snotty on Twitter, James Holes for my favorite analogy: the creeping vine, the ivy. You know, he yes. he sort of sucks the life force out of the thing that he that he thrives upon. You know, and it's beautiful as it's it beautiful. Goes. It's blooming. It's, it's flowery. It's it's wonderful. There's hummingbirds and bees all over it, and they all want to get in there. And then it leaves the the host a
0: little bit dead, a little bit dead for it. Beautiful. All right. And then the last was Markel Fultz's shot, but I don't really care that much about it. Yeah. Cool. You want to tie a bow on it? Let's, Take us out of here? Let's bow
1: it. Bow that. Um, hey, thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at netsdaily.com, almightyballer.com, iTunes, five stars only. If you even think about a four star or less, I swear <laughs> oh, to yeah. God, I will find you. Just kidding. Uh, but we do. It is the cheapest way to help the show, and um, <clears throat> we do appreciate it a lot. Um, at BK Glue Guys, at Twitter, at Netspot at gmail.com for emails and voicemails. Did I miss anything, Mike? I don't know. Probably. Netsdaily.com. I got that. Okay. We're good. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Yeah, boy.